second reading today is from John, the Gospel, chapter 12. We're reading from verse 42. Yet, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than the praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but also in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say what I say and how to say it. I know that this, his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. That is the word of the Lord. We're going to this morning deal with your favorite subject. Repentance. And service. Those two most wonderful words that we live by. And if possible, today's text that we have just read is even more applicable today in 2021 than it was at the time it was written 2,000 years ago. We have today, as they obviously also did back then, we have people that believe in Jesus Christ and simply based on what they've heard and then also back to what they personally saw in those days namely the miracles that Jesus had performed over a period of three years. Just as we have people today that find the evidence that is in the Bible that is compelling when they read books about Jesus and even reading the Bible in combination with such books explaining who Jesus is. The similarity can be seen in the manner in which they respond outwardly. Let's look at the text and get some questions there to ponder and then seek some guidance through the Holy Spirit that we may need to change maybe one or two things in our own lives as we go out from here today. So let us pray for all this. Our loving Father, we know that there are things we do that are wrong. We know the things that we should have done. And we know that there are changes that need to come about. This is all part of the period of sanctification in our lives. And we need to be prepared, Lord, to face up to the fact that who we are, certainly in light of your Son. We pray that you will guide us carefully, Lord, by the Spirit that you so lovingly placed in us, that we may see it, understand it, and that we will act upon it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let us read and discover something called silent belief. Verse 42, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear 
that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than the praise from God. See, we had some weeks ago, we had a situation with a, a man born blind. Uh, his parents also did not really want to answer the Pharisees and the temple leaders any particular direct question because they also feared being excommunicated, being thrown out of the synagogue, and not just from the synagogue, by the way, but also they would be excluded from the community they lived in because they are the one. Now, we also have some people in the leadership here that are affected in the same way as that blind man's parents. They are also not willing to confess Jesus as their saviour in a public manner, as they will also, no doubt, then lose their position in the leadership of the synagogue and be excommunicated and cast out, losing their place in the community and honour they had. And that would also mean they lose their daily praise. These people are honoured amongst the people, but if they're thrown out, they will lose all of that. They therefore decide that silence is golden. They become what we call the silent disciples. But we need to ask the question, is there such a thing as a silent believer? Does it actually exist? Let us consider what that would mean if that was so. Just what would it be like if the prophets of old had kept silent? Men like Elijah, Isaiah, John the Baptist, if he had been a silent believer and not gone out and proclaimed what he proclaimed to the people of Israel. I'm not going to bring Jesus in here at this point, but maybe we look at someone like the Apostle Paul and John who wrote this very gospel. It just doesn't make any sense at all, at all, really, when we then read what James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, is someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Combine that with then what Matthew has written in chapter 28, which is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. How can you make disciples? How can you baptize people? How can you teach them if you won't say anything? It just doesn't make sense. In all fairness, how do you serve the Lord Jesus Christ and do all of that and still stay silent? Good luck. I started by saying that today's text is more applicable today than even back then possibly. Well, I think sadly this is actually the case. A lot of people who actually claim to be loyal and obedient followers of Jesus will also have you believe that you don't have to go to church. You don't have to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters that you've been called together to be with because they're the brothers and sisters that you're going to spend an eternity with in heaven. You might as well get used to them. 
And the same sharing the gospel is the job, they say, of the minister only. That's his job. They will, he will go out and share the gospel. We don't have to. Well, that's not true, is it? In all fairness, that sort of thinking will have you question if they actually read the Bible in the first place and are guided by the Holy Spirit that God placed in them. Well, if we're walking around being scared of what the world is thinking of us, we are lacking both faith and trust in God. Let me remind us of what Jesus said in Luke. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others and will be disowned by the angels of God. It comes together. And just to make sure we all understand, let's just also recall what Paul's words about this in Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You might think at this point, that I might even stand up here and casting doubt on the faith of some people. But that is actually not the case. That's not what I'm doing. But I will encourage you all that if you know of such a person claiming to be a silent believer, they may need some encouragement and some help to understand what the Bible actually teaches. And arriving then at a true understanding of what they actually believe in, who they believe on, in much the same way as what Philip did when he was placed on the road down south of Jerusalem. Philip ran to him and heard him reading aside the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? See, that is what happens with some people. They read it. They don't quite get it, but they want to. Like this eunuch wanted to. You need to help them. The question is for you. May you be a Philip for someone else. It may be worth also noting that these believers actually understood the cost of discipleship. The leaders that did not want to confess their faith in Jesus for the fear of losing They actually understood the cost of what it would mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What would be lost and highly likely they also knew what was to be gained in eternal life. But see the problem here was they were unwilling to pay the price. Unwilling to to take the loss today to gain eternity for tomorrow. They were trying to do something that ultimately is impossible. They wanted to be a secret disciple. It's highly likely some of these men may even have been amongst the 5,000 that came to full faith on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit arrived. That may well be. The point here, I would suggest, is that being a secret disciple disciple is actually a contradiction in terms. For either that secrecy kills off the discipleship or... On the other hand, the discipleship, if a true one, will kill off the secrecy. That's how it works. 
The grace of God is upon us all is a very costly. It is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus. It is costly because it cost a man's life. It is grace because it gives a man the only true life that is existence. The cost because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his one and only son on the cross. And therefore, it is all about the grace of God. Because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for your life. God was willing to do that for you. To conclude the confusion about silent faith, let's go to Romans. Paul wrote in Romans 10, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. In the next verses, Jesus brings us back to focus on his deity and indeed his relationship with the Father. In verse 44, then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I don't think it can get any clearer than that. Believing in Jesus is the same as believing in the Creator God, the Father, known as Yahweh, or as Moses knew him as the great I Am. So what is God like? Well, the answer is quite simple for us. God is like Jesus, and Jesus is like God. They're one. It's important to understand that Jesus has the same deity as what the Father has. If Jesus Christ is not God, then Jesus would not have died for your sins. He would simply have been a man who died on the cross, maybe even paying for his own sin with his own life. In terms of our knowledge of God, however, and this gospel is very much concerned with the knowledge of God, it is teaching us to understand who he is, then the deity of Christ is important, and that is the ultimate it is the only solution to knowing him. So do you think God is love? We are supposedly, God is love, that's what we are being taught. But is God holy and wise? Is he righteous and is he good? Is he merciful and is he indeed gracious? Is our God just in all that he does? These are all the things we need to be able to answer yes to. Below all those things, we could turn our eyes to Jesus and find in scriptures and say, there is a God revealed in those words. It's revealed to us through the Bible and through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And we should love him and we worship him because of who he is. In verse 47, as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him for I did not come into the world to, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. 
The very words I spoke will condemn him on the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. To ignore the words given to us by Christ Jesus is no less of a problem for us than for the little lady we met one time up in Hazelbrook that walked past us and claimed that she was a Christian but did not believe in Jesus. Let that sink in. I'm a Christian that doesn't believe in Jesus. That is just as dumb as being a silent believer. For anyone laying claim to be called by God to be a follower of his son Jesus Christ and then ignore the teaching given by him and is to reject the deity of the Lord. You actually reject God for who he is, for Jesus for who he is, and hence also rejecting his death, his atoning death. All of that goes out the window. Surely it must be clear for all that are called that reading, hearing, and comprehending, and then not responding, just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And now we come into the last point, verse 50. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Command is indeed an interesting word. Jesus is here saying God's commandment is life everlasting. It is through his commands that we know what we need to do. So what is exactly this command? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's that simple. Plain and simply, it is a command of eternal life. Paul preaches the truth in Athens in Acts 17. He says these things. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. There's this word again repent and we should always remember that faith and belief in Jesus Christ cannot be separated from repentance the two are one repentance is not a term that we used in most churches and indeed people don't like the term repentance it doesn't make people feel good about themselves does it when I come up to you and say you need to repent what I'm saying to you is you are sinful in need to repent of your sins. You are bad. And of course some people when you do that. Are offended. They are offended by what you say. But it is more offensive really. Is it more offensive for me to say to you to repent. Than it is to have Jesus Christ the son of God killed on a cross for you. Which is the most repugnant thing. Well, it is a recurring theme in the gospel, and Mark wrote in one fifteen, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let us recall this wonderful day that happened way back when the Holy Spirit was sent to earth by Jesus from heaven in Acts 2.36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, 
What shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. Repentance is a recognition of your sin. It is you actually recognizing the fact publicly. Also a recognition that you understand that you are unable to be saved by your own deeds. You recognize the atonement of Christ for your sins and acknowledgement of his deity and your own need to commit your life to him. All comes out of your repentance. And Jesus said, he who sees me has seen the Father and I have come into the world as a light. And here comes the question. A question for all of us to truly ponder in our hearts. Have you proclaimed him with your mouth to be your light and your savior? It is a real question. Or are you at this point in your life in the silent mode? I can only pray for you as a church, as a congregation, as a brother and a sister, that may he give you wisdom and may you indeed respond accordingly to the outpouring of love that he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Let us pray together. Our gracious, merciful and loving God, Some of these words we read from your Bible, Lord, that you gave John and the other apostles and the prophets. Sometimes they're hard. It teaches us that there are things we have to do, Lord. There are things we need to respond, and then there's a manner to respond, and there's a manner not to. We pray, Lord, that in all things you will give each one of us here today a clear understanding of where we stand, what we need to do. And if we're found to be silent, may you indeed guide us differently. May you give us courage to open our mouths, share the wonderful news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, your Son, that those around us may hear it, may question it, Lord, we thank you for calling us. But we continue to ask you through your Holy Spirit to give us strong guidance and clear directions. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have one last song.